Hello and welcome to A Voice of Hope with Troy Peverall. This show is designed to offer hope for you and your family as you navigate through the struggles of life. We believe that this hope that comes from Jesus can lead you to live a life of victory in Him. I'm Chris Sasser, and today I get to lead us through a conversation about hope. We are glad you're here. Hello and welcome to A Voice of Hope. Chris and Troy here today, just the two of us, and we are going to be having a conversation uh, that revolves around a topic that we've been talking about for a few weeks. We've had a special guest, Dr. Kim, on, and Dr. Kim leads uh, an organization called Awesome Marriage and has got a lot of great resources and a lot of great thoughts. He's uh, been counseling for a long, 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 long time, kind of like you, Troy, right? And uh, he's been having conversations about marriage, and so I would encourage you to go back and listen to those two episodes if you didn't have a chance to, because if you're married and you're looking for just some insight into what's going on in in your marriage and how the world is impacting marriage and how, um, or maybe some practical things that you can do to strengthen your marriage, Dr. Kim had some great, great, great insight there. Troy, I would ask you first, if you don't mind, um, just reflecting back on anything that uh, you heard from Dr. Kim from the two weeks that we had a conversation with him, would just anything jump to mind for you? Yeah, a, a few things did, actually. There was uh, one thing that he had mentioned um, is whatever your marriage needs work on, work on it. And simple. And I think most marriages that encounter difficulties, you know, there is a lot of effort poured into uh, trying to address those issues and see repairs made or progress made. And it's just so, uh, for so many people, it's, it's just difficult. And um, marriage, I think, is incredible. If you look a lot at, at stats um, of the happiest cultures in the world, one of the top five denominators in all of those cultures is that the people are, uh, are in marriage. And so you also look at other stats that uh, seem to make marriage look like it's, it's uh, going to be a mistake in the percentage of divorce, uh, especially here in America. And, you know, you might get the mixed message. Um, but I think it is a lot of just the fact that for various reasons, uh, you know, whether it's an atta- all-out attack uh, from, on marriage, from the culture, uh, the sinful nature and the design in, um, you know, for marriage to work is that that sinless nature is beginning to be sacrificed. And so if that's not happening, um, there's repercussions to the marriage, um, whatever the reasons might be, it's just difficult. And so um, being willing to go into marriage, uh, and a lot of people get married young. I, I was married young and um, just did not know what I was doing. And sometimes I think I'm not sure I do still, <laughs> still right. Yeah. Um, but it's difficult. And I think being willing to do the hard work, um, to make it. And yet at the same time, you've got to enjoy your marriage. Um, but I think his, his, uh, statement, just working on whatever it is need to be worked on, never giving up in that way. Yeah. Because there are, I think whenever you're dealing with two sinful people who are in a relationship, even when you love each other deeply there, you just kind of run into each other yeah. <laughs> on a lot of different levels yeah. uh, and a lot of different things that I think as, as life continues and, you know, if, if there are kids that get introduced into the mix and then there's, you know, layers of job and work and all of the stress that sort of comes with a lot of that, there just are so many potential areas of conflict. Yeah. Have you seen quite a, I mean, you're in a large setting. Do you, what do you see 
um, in marriage is just kind of in the broad scale of, of things. Right now. Yeah. I think part of it um, really does revolve around some of the things that we've talked about on a number of different times here. It's just the way that culture is pushing people to be so busy. Right. And you know, that, that is both, you know, kind of we're busy in, in the work that we're doing. If we have a job, um, our kids are certainly busy if kids are, you know, in any, once kind of they get into the elementary school years and yeah. there's any kind of activities that are going on. Um, we just layer so many things onto our lives when it comes to what we feel like we have to do. Right. What gets crowded out is the relationship. And, you know, yeah. I, I feel that at times just yeah. even in, in my own life and with my own family, not just, just my wife, but with my family is just, oh my gosh, we're just going a thousand different directions yeah, and and working on it from kind of a, a spending time relational standpoint just can kind of be hard, right? And mm-hmm. I, I see that over and over and over again with families. And the other thing I think I see a little bit of is, and I don't know how to 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 really drill down in on this and, and figure out what the the root cause is. I mean, the root cause is just sin and selfishness. But so many people, I think nowadays, um, we are becoming more and more wired to live individualistically yeah, mm-hmm. and that does not bode well for building strong relationships and marriages. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. We're I'm just conditioned yeah. to think on our own, to be on our own, to solve it on our own, to, you know, again, as we've talked about over and over again, it's a lot of the devices that we hold in our hands where we can be kind of self-sufficient with our entertainment, with where we get our information, with how we process things, with what right. we watch, with all of that. It, we just we just do it on our own. Yeah. Again, which I think that pulls marriages apart, probably. Yeah. Uh, I would agree. There's uh, such a loneliness, I think, in the midst of the pursuit of where selfishness takes us all, and especially when it comes to relationships, because relationships are designed to, to be a give and take both ways. And so, you know, if I am so solo uh, driven for various reasons and in this culture, um, borderline selfish, um, I know that that's not going to build up uh, this thing called marriage. And, and yet, if we'll lean into it, I think that we also are closer to the awareness of the needs that we have, um, of which, you know, marriage is, is, is the place in which uh, we can actually have a lot of those needs met. And it's not that I'm in this for me. It's more of my soul is wired for that connection. And I think that goes all the way back to God's creation, especially, you know, when he looked at man and said, it's not good for man to be alone. And there's an element of that that God designed us to be with someone. Now, I know there's, you know, God also created people to be single. Um, but for marriage's sake, I think there's a, a connection there. It's funny. The word that's coming to mind for me in thinking about all this is the word consumeristic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the solo thing is, is, is part of it. But I think we, we are all being conditioned to be consumeristic mm-hmm. in almost everything. And I wonder if that mindset kind of can creep into our marriage to where, where, because saying that I'm selfish in my marriage and I'm sinful feels (laughs) right. I don't really want to say that. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, which, which the, the root is all the same, but, but I I probably can be consumeristic 
you know, yeah, and, yeah. and, and what it is that I want out of relationships, yeah, out yeah. of, you know, the way things work, the way things happen. I just, right. I become a consumer and we obviously, you know, have that conversation in and around the way a lot of us view church nowadays. People yeah. can be consumeristic with church, but, yeah. but again, we're being conditioned right. to be consumeristic right? And, in everything. And you're right. And even in, um, I'll hear quite frequently and I might, I don't think I'm an oddball. Well, in some ways maybe I am, but I'll listen to people talk about, and they've been in counseling and even Christian counseling. And there's so much, uh, reference towards letting the other person quote, know your needs. And, um, I was listening to someone recently and that was the encouragement they were getting. Let them know your needs, let let him or let her know their, your needs. And I kept hearing that over and over. And, it kind of echoes what you're saying is that like, is that going to be the thing that makes this work is just that I am the one that needs to stand up just for my needs. Um, you know, am I more concerned about that than the other side of that question, which is, am I looking to fulfill needs in that other person? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of well, what's your saying? We're saying the same thing, except from the angle of which we're saying it. That is, am I in the hunt for meeting my needs or am I going to be in the hunt to meet their needs? Mm-hmm. And I think when I'm the latter, I just think that the, the former kind of gets satisfied because yeah. it's better to give than receive. Yeah, and, and I feel that tension as well. You know, in, in, I think in every relationship that we're in, we're called to serve and sacrifice. Yeah, Like I don't think anywhere in scripture or anywhere where Jesus talks that yeah. I need to be about me and what I want and need. Right. But again, we do get kind of coached into that in right. a lot of different ways. I think the difficulty probably for a lot of people lies in what happens when I, I do have that sacrificial, I'm going to try to meet your needs in right. any relationship, right. but certainly in a marriage, I'm going to be sacrificial and trying to meet your needs and hope that, Mine get yeah. met in a turn. <laughs> right. And what happens if they if they don't? don't? Sure. And what I, do you right. do then, right? That's, right. And I do think that it's wise to communicate. Um, I like the word, honestly, I don't know, it just fits and feels better. I like the word desires. Yeah, sure. Because I think when I talk about my desires, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the word need. To me, to say I need something is almost real strongly, emphatically, you're not meeting my needs. Whereas if I take the words like I desire something, uh, when it's driven toward relationship, uh, usually it's going to be inclusive of some threshold of vulnerability that I'm crossing. Mm-hmm. If I'm saying I desire to go out and date you, think think uh, or desire to have a date night with you. So, you know, that's a lot easier uh, and communicates the real issue more versus I need you to go out with me yes we need right. to do you know it's sure and i get that out of frustration and it's true the the, the marriage needs the date nights um but it's not driven from just the angle of uh you're not tending to my needs right. and i think also when when i tell a, a couple you know if you desire something um and we will just go there if you desire to be with your spouse uh and intimately um a lot of times I think what couples will do is they'll test the waters and by testing the waters, it's playing it safe. 
But what that does is it, in a lot of ways, it never really goes up to that threshold or vulnerability line because you're playing it safe. Mm -hmm. And yet, if you'll just take your desires and know, especially in that area, that God designed you to be and desire that, and don't be ashamed of Mm -hmm. that. And when you desire to be with your your, um, spouse, go and communicate your desire for them mm-hmm. um, and try not to think about your needs. <laughs> try to just know that God designed it. And in the scriptures real clear that the marriage needs that intimacy. Mm-hmm. That's right out of the scriptures. He tells us not to uh, abstain, but for the period of fasting and prayer. And then he tells us why, or else you'll be tempted so the temptation is not just in the way of you'll look over there. Temptation sometimes can be temptation to uh, to become depressed, temptation to uh, begin to doubt that other person, temptation to dequalify your marriage. I mean, temptation can come in many ways, but being together, God designed us to be one like that. So I think desires, communicating those desires, uh, being willing to be vulnerable and state them or communicate them without the expectation of the other person, quote, meeting your needs. Just go and and meet the needs of your marriage and don't be ashamed of your desires. Yeah. Anything else Dr. Kim said that jumps out at you? I think when he talked about, um, you know, something that that uh, really resonates with me um, in light of what I do. He said, there's no greater example on earth of Christ's relationship to the church as that between a husband and wife. And I would just echo that because, you know, we just thinking over here, you know, we're talking about, you know, selfishness and not your own desires, but giving your, your self away for the other person. Um, and that is exactly what Jesus did. Uh, Jesus desired relationship with us. In fact, I mean, that's, that is eternal life is that we would know the one true God um, through Jesus. But, but at the same time, it wasn't driven from a standpoint of Jesus was missing something and was in lack of or insecure because that's not love, but he wanted that fellowship. And so when he talked about husband and wife and then the church, I think that that's such a a good picture of sacrifice and also obedience to just God's design for unity. Mm -hmm. So I know that you're obviously typically in a counseling room with uh, people who, who maybe are struggling in their marriage. If Mm -hmm. they weren't, they wouldn't come see you. Right. But let's, let's go to the other side of that. What are some things that you feel like you're seeing today uh, with marriages that are good, that, that are, you know, (laughs) If people having fulfilling marriages, like what, 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 how would you you describe some some of what you hear about that? I would look at a couple that seems to really enjoy their marriages. That word right there, they're enjoying it. They're having they're ha- enjoying each other. They're having fun together. It's not it's not a facade. There really is. I still love this person and like this person. And there's a there's a companionship slash friendship in that relationship. Um, that is just real easy. Um, I look at that and I'm like, they seem to relate so easily. And I, that doesn't mean they're perfect. There is none. Um, they have problems, but they value that relationship enough to to want to get back to that good place with each other through their conflicts. And so 
when I look at couples, um, I can sometimes see like you guys are doing well, like even though they might be in counseling, a lot of times it's not even about them. It might be for other reasons or if it is about them, um, I try to encourage them in the good things that I see because they have some of that foundation. But when you're stuck in your own mess, so to speak, mm-hmm. you can't see yourself real well. Um, I don't see myself real well. Like, and so I've, so I need that kind of encouragement. And I think this is where I was coming down the hallway here uh, to talk with you today. And, and I believe you had a sign out front that says something to the effect, and you're going to have to fill this in, that parenting is not a solo mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just thought that that's the, that's the picture of parenting. But I would just also say that's, that's like marriages as well, is that we sometimes try to do our marriages and we don't want other people to know that we're suffering in some way. And to have friends, yes, to have uh, a place where you're inspired, to be able to be honest, although I would say uh, small groups and things like that are not a time to air your problems without the other's permission. Yeah, right. <laughs> don't get in your small <laughs> right. group that all of a sudden start talking about how bad your right. spouse is, right? Yeah. I think, I think that it needs to be an encouraging community. We live in such a way that we have a place or have someone that we can reach out to because we need the prayers of others sometimes and we need other people to know that we're struggling and there's no shame in that you know yeah i think that's good yeah are you seeing any difference between the way maybe younger generations and older generations are handling marriage Mm. i think you know we're going to be talking about in episodes to come about a sacred space. And I think that when, when I think about that word sacred, I do believe it's kind of a revered look back to things that were special, things that have a, have a, a sacred meaning to us. And so there is kind of a, um, I remember when, and so now, you know, in this place of my life, even, you know, and I'm, I'm older obviously than, uh, my children and grandchildren, that generation. But I can look back and I can remember things back then that I would hold dear and sacred. And when I think about young, the younger generation, um, it's, it's from my angle, sometimes I'm like, oh my, like what are they looking back to? Because what's the rev, rev, reverent or revered place that they can look back to and have hope for? And Unfortunately, I'm, I know that I'm in a setting where um, people are hurting, but some of what I hear is is that they're trying to and hoping that they don't have the marriage that their parents had, or they're hoping that that it, they they come in so discouraged either by the wounds of of the culture or the difficulties of life or the parenting. And you think about it, like if if you know one segment of our society is like seventy percent of the fathers are not even in the home. Like what does that do for your outlook on marriage? You know, you didn't you didn't see one side of the marriage uh, a father and and your mom, you know, his wife in a good way. And well, what do you do with that when you step in and you want to marry someone? And how do you go from there? And thank God for Jesus, thank God for his scriptures because it's so clear that we have a way to do this and so I would say generation to generation, generation, what do I see different? I look back in the generations and I, I go, my parents stayed married for 60 some years. 
and are still married. Um, my wife and I've been married for 38 years. Um, you know, my children, they're married, I think of probably 10 years and, and right around that area, uh, time frame. And I hope that they can look back and see the goodness of marriage within their parents. Um, and I believe they can, but I think that's the difference is I'm not sure the new generation has as much hope for their marriage that the older, the generations before them carried with them. I remember hearing a quote from a young adult in a project I was doing where he basically said, I don't really think I want to get married because I've never seen a healthy relationship. Yeah. Right. And so like that modeling that you're talking about really matters when it comes to yeah. what, you know, we hope the next generation sees yeah. and, and can aspire to something healthy. But if they've never seen it, like you said, how in the world can they aspire to something they've never seen? Yeah. And that, you know, I, you make me think of this, you know, the, to me, the antithesis or the opposite of love. And I'm talking about this kind of love that, that makes marriage work um, and work well is fear. And so, so if there's so much fear, there's got to be an all out assault to attack that fear because it interferes with love. When I stand before the Lord, I don't believe he's going to ask me how well I was loved. I do believe if he asks anything along those lines, it's going to be how well did I love? So when I look at how well do I love, what gets in the way of that? And the reasons I don't want to love or the reasons I don't want to be vulnerable because that's going to be required to love. I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. And that fear keeps me from engaging a principle that actually makes this work. I have to abandon fear of what it is that I do or don't get or fear of rejection, not testing the waters and go there. What is it? What is it I'm doing? It's sacrificing my fears to connect and be close to this person. Mm -hmm. And that means that I may be rejected. And that means that I, I may, it may hurt, but if I don't go there, I think I don't go there with, with my, my wife. Okay. So in the few minutes that we have together, what are some uh, final thoughts that you want to leave people either from something Dr. Kim said or something that you just want to encourage people who are married with? You know, I guess it's to kind of picture a diagram. If you're a listener, I wish you could see a drawing board in my, in my head right now, but it's, it's from something that I saw when I was earlier, but I kind of added to it as the years went on <laughs> with my wife. And it was the picture of a triangle. And at the, at the end of the, tri on the left, the, the bottom of the triangle, write in your spouse's name and on the other side, write your name. And I think what happens in that triangle is that in that marriage, that, that triangle represents marriage, the, draw two little eyes on one side looking over to the other, and then the other side draw two little eyes looking over to the other. So you basically have four eyes you know, looking at each other, and there's conflict and, and a division right in the middle. You just can't get to what it is that you're looking for. And it's, there's friction and there's frustration because intimately, I mean, what you're wanting is just that, to be connected well to this person. If this were not the plan, just cross through that for a second and don't even look at that bottom line. Instead, take the little eyeballs on each side and, dr and draw them looking up to the top of the triangle. And that top of the triangle is, is God. If, if each person keeps their eyes Instead, not on the other person, but to God in the sense of everything in every way you can. What happens is you're taking the pressure off of 
where it shouldn't be, and you're putting it on the pressure where it should be. And your walk with God becomes your answer for connection, not the other person. And what will happen is if you look at this triangle and you're doing this, both of you grow closer actually to each other mm-hmm. as you move up that triangle. Yeah. And so to me, that has been something I've had with my wife when we were dating all these years to remind us like, this is how it happens. This is how it works. I've shown that to people through the years and have heard the feedback that that itself helped them immensely watching their marriage become something that they had yeah. hoped for. Well, imagine that we, we uh, get closer to God and to Jesus and things get better. Who'd have thunk it, right? Right. It wasn't, and That's it right. wasn't original. That's right. Exactly. Well, <laughs> so. hopefully it's been helpful for, uh, for you today as we've talked about marriage. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear more from you. We have a great website where you can visit with us, share your story, and find some great resources and a secure place to give. Hey, listen, there's something about your story that's unique. It's meant to help others, and God is wanting to use you. And this helps us make the voice louder. So find us at avoiceofhope.me. That's avoiceofhope.me. And we're so grateful for sharing this time together.